400 years of silence had come, we find ourselves now as we come to this time of the year, it gets very busy. A lot of things happen. A lot of things are taking place. And as we look at even the church calendar, there is something that's just, it's happening every single week. We get so busy. We get so caught up in all the things that are happening and all of the things that are taking place. And and sometimes we lose sight of the very reason that we even that we even celebrate this time of the year. And I and I know this saying is is just a cliche, the reason for the season. Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. And we understand that, okay? And I understand that, but sometimes if we're not careful, cliches can become just that. That's just what they are, is a cliche. And it's something that we just kind of hold on to. But after 400 years of silence, as the old closes out the chapter, the stage is being set for the very coming of what was prophesied by God himself to the prophet Isaiah. He said, a son is going to be given to you. A child is going to be given And the name of this child is going to be Emmanuel or God with us. That's what it means. And so the prophet Isaiah, as he prophesied in chapter 7 and again in chapter 9, and you know, we're, we're very familiar with those passages of Scripture where it speaks of this one that would be born, God in the flesh, as he would come and be born in a stable in the city of Bethlehem. It's prophesied by all, the, by all by the Old Testament prophets themselves. And so when we consider the magnitude of, of this time of the year and, 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 and where we see ourselves during this time of the year, it's, it's interesting that John begins his gospel, and he begins it with such a profound statement concerning the deity of Jesus Christ, this one who would be born so if you would take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 1 and verse 14 and again at verse, or verse 1 and verse 2 and again at verse 14. As we just anticipate and, and contemplate, and I hope this year that in, that in all of its busyness and all of the, uh, the pageantry and everything that takes place and in performances that are going to be seen across churches, not only here but around the world, even in the city of Jerusalem, as they begin all of these things that will take place, that we don't, we don't get so hung up on the pageantry and we get so hung up on, on all of the things that are taking place that we absolutely miss the very one who came for us. I know we talk about the gift of grace, the greatest gift. You know, you see all these cliches during this time of the year that the greatest gift that could ever be given and received at Christmas time is the gift of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? What does that mean to you? The greatest gift that we've ever received at this time of the year at Christmas time. But John begins with a profound statement here in John chapter 1 concerning the deity of Jesus Christ. And I I want you to notice something else. He links the gospel all the way back to Genesis. 
to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. And you'll notice the use of the phrase, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. As you come to John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. He takes them and he links the two of them together. And let me say to you this this morning, you cannot divorce the two of them. You can't separate the two of them. Why? Because they're tied together through this one named Jesus Christ. Before Jesus became a man, he was the word that was present at creation. And we see that from the scripture. Centuries before ever entering the world as a baby in a stable in the town of Bethlehem, prophesied by Isaiah, prophesied by Micah, prophesied by Zechariah. And it occurred. 400 years of silence has gone by, and now God himself steps on to the stage of life in the world. And so we find him, and that's, that's where he is, in the city of Bethlehem, born in this stable. But in the beginning, John chapter 1, in verse number 1, I want you to notice as John uses the phrase, in the beginning was the word, and that's an, interesting, that's an interesting phrase. In the beginning was the word. But my question this morning to you, so is who is this man? Who is this one that has been born? Well, I will tell you today, if you listen, if you listen to those who give their explanations of who Jesus Christ is, he was a prophet. I'll give that to you. He was. But not only was he a prophet, but he was also a priest, and he's also king. He's all three. That's who he is. And those who claim that he was just a good man, he was a good teacher, I'll give that to you. He was a good teacher. He was a moral man. And I'm going to tell you why he was a moral man, because he was the sinless son of God. That's why he was a moral man. And the things that he taught, were they good? Yes. And let me say this to you. They were things unlike any of them had ever heard spoken before. Spoken by Jesus Christ himself. And matter of fact, there were many who listened and heard Jesus as he spoke many times in his earthly days here on the face of the earth. They said, we have never heard one speak with such authority. Let me tell you why. It's because he was the word. That's who he is. He was the absolute fulfillment of everything that we have contained. He was the fulfillment of the law. He was fulfillment of the prophets. That's who he was. So when he stood in front of the Pharisees and he said, I am here today in fulfillment of all of it. That's who he was. That's who this man is. So in the beginning was the word. Logos is the Greek word here. And notice what it says next. And the word was with God. So we find an interesting relationship here that we're going to talk about a little bit more. And the Word was with God. And then notice the third part. And the Word, what? Was God. Verse number 2. He was in the beginning with God. My dear friend, you can't divorce the two of them. Come down to verse 14. And this Word became what? This Logos became flesh. And guess what? And he dwelt among us. And watch this. And we saw his what? We saw his glory. 
What glory? Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Full of what? Grace and truth. There are three things that I want to share with you this morning concerning who this man is. Number one, the Word existed from all of eternity. The Word existed from all eternity. Number two, the Word had face-to-face fellowship with the Father. And then number three, the Word was God. Two years. So let's start with number one. The Word existed from all eternity. From all of eternity, Jesus was with the Father. And we know that. And let me say this to you this morning. Jesus Christ is not a created being. He is not a created angel. It's not who He is. And so as we consider this relationship between the Son and the Father, He existed with the Father throughout all of eternity and we'll say a lot of say well how do you know that well look at verse 2 of John chapter number 1 notice what John wrote he was in the beginning with who with God notice the second time John draws the gospel connection back to Genesis chapter number 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth when you drop down to verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1 you find another interesting statement Where it says in verse 26, let us make man in our image. The plurality there connects it all together with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three present at the time of creation. Well, if that's not enough, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and and I will say this, John continues with the thought. 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 2. Notice as John writes here in his letter, what was from the beginning... And that's what I want you to see. What was from the beginning? Let me tell you what John has done. Not only in the gospel of John, but also in his letter. He equates, ties every bit of it, connects every bit of it back to Genesis chapter 1. So the word has always existed from all of eternity. So what was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning Notice the word of life. Verse 2, and the life was manifested. In other words, it was revealed. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested or revealed to us. So what can we draw from this? From all of eternity, Jesus was with the Father. The word was with the Father. He's not a created being as some make him out to be. Let me say this to you this morning as well. The Word is a person. 
It's who he is. The word is a person. Turn with me to John chapter 17 and look at verse 5. John chapter 17. And I want you to notice the connection each time in these verses. I want you to notice is John continues to present the argument that Jesus Christ existed with the Father from all of eternity. Look at John chapter 17, and I tell you what, let's start with verse 1, John 17. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Jesus Christ is getting ready to go to the cross. His hour had finally come. It was the hour that he had spoken of earlier that had not yet come, and now the hour had come. And what was getting ready to occur? John writes for us in in, in verse 1 of John 17, when Jesus spoke, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The Father is going to be glorified through the death of His Son on the cross of Calvary. Verse 2, even as you gave Him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given Him, He may give eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth. Having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. And Jesus Christ always pointed things back to who? To the Father. I have glorified you in all that I did while in my earthly ministry here on the earth. Now look at verse 5. Now Father... Glorify me together with yourself. Now watch this. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. The glory that we shared together before the world was. Jesus Christ has always existed. He's existed since all of eternity. And he will exist throughout all of eternity because he is God in the flesh. That's who this child is. It's the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And let me say something about this Word. Jesus Christ, He was was seen. He was heard. He was revealed to us just as the prophet Isaiah had prophesied that a child is going to be born of a virgin for you and it's going to be named Emmanuel, which is God with us. Let me tell you something. Where we are today and where we find ourselves and what is taking place is God has stepped foot into the very world that you and I live in today. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's who he is. The word is a person and not an attribute of God. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. He's not an attribute of God. Philippians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 5. Verse 5 through verse 8. 
having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. He was not simply an attribute of God, but he was a person. That's who he was. Did he feel things like you and I do? Yes. How do you know that? Well, I tell you what, if that's not enough, let's go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews. Chapter 4. And I want to begin in verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Therefore... After everything so far that the writer of Hebrews in this chapter dealing with the believer's rest has brought us up to, verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest, remember he's not only, he's not only king, but he's also priest and he's prophet. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has Pass through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. My dear friend, listen to me. When Jesus stood at the very tomb of Lazarus himself, and I know this is the shortest verse everybody in the world that's ever heard it can quote from John chapter 11. Jesus wept. Did Jesus sympathize with our weaknesses? He did. Did he understand them? He did. Jesus Christ would grow hungry. He would grow thirsty. He would grow tired. He experienced loneliness. He experienced the loss of a loved one, of a close one to him. Jesus Christ experienced all of those things. Not as an attribute of God and who he is, but Jesus Christ just as 100% God as he was, also man in his entirety of who he also was. And he experienced all of those things. He's seated where? As the book of Hebrews says for us in verse 15, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, but I want you to notice the next phrase, yet without what? Yet without sin. He experienced all of those things. How do you know that he was hungry? How do you know that he was thirsty? We came out of the wilderness after 40 days and 40 nights, and who was standing there waiting on him? The very one, my dear friend, when we find ourselves in some of the most difficult places in our lives, Satan's standing there waiting because where? We are at the most vulnerable point at that time in our lives, oftentimes as we can be. Hebrews says, Tempted like in all ways as we are, 
Was Jesus Christ tempted in, in multiple ways? He was when Satan tempted him after coming out of the wilderness. When you go and you look at all of that, but notice the conclusion of the writer of Hebrews, yet without what? And then notice the next verse, 16, therefore, let us draw near with what? With confidence. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of what? In the time of need. My dear friend, listen to me. Jesus Christ has always been from eternity past to eternity future. He is not an attribute. He is not a created being. He is God in the flesh. Our Emmanuel. Number two. The Word had face-to-face fellowship with the Father. And we know that creation itself speaks of the face-to-face fellowship between the Father and the Word. Matter of fact, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll just look at all of that verse. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to what? Our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Created. Created by who? All three present at the time of creation. You say, really? For sure? Well, let's see what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. Let's go to Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter 1, as Paul writes concerning this same subject. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. And notice what Paul writes. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Uh oh, here's that verse again, verse 17. He is before all things. And in him all things what? Hold together or consist. That's who he is. It was face to face between the Son and the Father. For how long? All of eternity. Nothing has changed here. So God took on flesh. The incarnation of Christ. The incarnate Christ. God in the flesh. To take on flesh. That's, that's who he was. He suffered and experienced all the things like you and I do. He had face-to-face with the Father. Glory with the Father in His existence of who He is. He came for what? So finally, number three, the Word was God. 
Let's go back to John chapter 1. Clearest. of the deity of Christ in all of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And what? And it was God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning, what? With God. That's who he is. That's who he was. So my question to you this morning, so then who is this man? Who is he? Yes, he is Jesus of Nazareth. He was referred to as a Nazarene. Matter of fact, when Jesus had his first conversations with Simon and Peter and Philip, one of the questions that was asked as Philip went to Andrew, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Huh? He was a Nazarene. That's who he was. He was from the Galilean region. That's where he spent his time. Where's earthly ministry headquartered out of the region of Galilee? As his earthly ministry began to spread. So yes, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Was he the son of a carpenter? Yes, he was. That's for sure. Was he a man? Yes. Did he experience the things like you and I? Yes, he did. But he is also God in human flesh. And this is how he presented himself to the world. I know for us, I will tell you right now, I'll be just as honest with you as I can. Can I absolutely fully explain the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and its existence before all of eternity? Only thing I can do is based upon what the Word of God says. Placing my trust and faith in the very relationship that existed there. And what we have is the truth of the Word of God. But do I have any doubt today as to who He is? No. Do I know him? Yes. Do I know him personally? Yes. Because we can know him. And we can have that relationship with him. God took on flesh and dwelt among us. You see, the revelation that God makes in Christ is better than what God gave Israel in the law. Matter of fact, turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 1. The revelation of 
God that God makes in Christ is better than what God gave Israel in the law. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 3. Does that mean that that the law did not have a purpose? No. Does that mean that the law was, was bad? No. The law accomplished what God intended the law to accomplish. The law served as our schoolmaster for us to realize our sin. What was the purpose of the law for Israel? Was so that they would see their sin. Hebrews chapter 1, notice verse 1 through verse 3. And so God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, the Logos, the Word, whom he appointed heir of all things. I want you to notice, he's, he's appointed him as heir of what? All things. Through whom also he made the what? He made the world. That's who he is. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Do you see that? He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high where it was all brought to fulfillment at that point. That's who he is. As one writer so eloquently put it, here's what he wrote. Christ took off the royal robes and put on the servant's towel to die for us. How can we say that any call to serve others for his sake is beneath us? So who is he? Was he a man? Yes. Did he live and have an earthly ministry? He did. Did he die? He did. The writer of Hebrews says this for us. Who for the joy of the cross, enduring all the shame, despising all the reproach, who For the joy of the cross. My dear friend, if you don't, listen, if you don't get anything out of this time of the year, here's what I want you to draw from this. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That's who he is. The author and the finisher of our faith. That's who he is. So my question to you today is, who is he to you? Is he a cliche that we use during this time of the year? Or he is, is he in fact the very son of God who came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly?
Not two years. And are you ready for this? Whether you accept that or not does not negate the fact of who he is. He is the perfect, sinless Lamb of God.